Welcome to the Adult Puberty Podcast. I don't know about you, but navigating life as an adult can be just as uncertain, exciting, and full of growing pains as adolescence was. This podcast is all about self-development and growth in the areas of physical health, emotional stability, and spiritual maturity. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's do it. All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of the Adult Puberty Podcast. You know, I realized that I never say my name. I just assume. So anyway, my name is Ebony and welcome to the Adult Puberty Podcast. I don't know. I heard another podcast and I'm like, oh, maybe I should just say my name. Eh, I don't know. Anyway. All right. So today is a real talk. Right. And it's a big deal real talk. It is a big deal, real talk, because I am sober as fuck today. Two years sober. March 31st, 2022. I am two years sober. Yeah, I'm like, I'm so excited and so hype. And it's just perfect timing that, you know, this is my podcast day. So I get to like share this with all of you guys. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know if every year is going to be, you know, I'm going to be this excited because last night I went to bed as though like today was like my birthday, which I guess, you know, in, in a lot of ways it is, but you know, year one was like just a lot, right? Like that year one could be a whole podcast in and of itself. But you know, there was a part of me, that wondered, you know, after I I reached my one year sobriety, if I could keep it up, you know, and if I wanted to keep it up. And the answer is yes. I have arrived at my two years sober. And I feel like this last year was like intentional. You know what I mean? Not, not like the first year wasn't intentional, but it was like I said, the first year of sobriety is just a whole, it's a whole lot of a whole lot. But this second year, it was like, okay, I got a year under my belt. Let me really start. I don't know. I feel like I, I don't know, kind of came out of the fog and really was focusing on living a sober life because even though I reached a year, it still hadn't clicked with me that I was sober. Right. And like this would be my life. So anyway, uh, so, yeah, so I just want to kind of like talk about that. And so um, if there's if there's anybody out there who is um, in recovery or thinking about being in recovery, I just want you to know that I love you. I support you and don't ever beat yourself up no matter where you are in your journey. Uh, sorry. So I'll just start with like what I did. Cause <laughs> real talk, you tell somebody you're recovery and I know at least for me, maybe, and maybe I'm just dumb. When I heard before somebody say they in recovery, I'm like, Ooh, what they in recovery from? Right. Like that's probably horrible, but I, I did. I still do. Um, so what did I do? So my thing was weed and alcohol. Right. And so I'll kind of give you a background, right? So as a kid, 
Um, and let me apologize. This might go a little bit over like my 15 minutes. Um, so, um, just cause I'm like so hyped, like I'm like really excited today. Like I'm really, really happy about this, like milestone and accomplishment in my life. So I hope you are, you know, you can stick around, but if not, no worries. Um, so anyway, as a kid, I was giving beer to like calm my ass down. Right. And so just a little bit. And so I remember seeing a picture of like it was a beer in my hand and me like slumped over like sleep. <laughs> right. Um, in high school and, and then like even before I guess, yeah, high school, I would like go get little coolers, hide them in the refrigerator, drink them. But it was, I, you know, it really wasn't about nothing. Like, yeah, I drank in high school, but not for real, for real. College, however, college, I was off the chain in terms of the amount that I drank, right? And I mean, I drank heavily. I mean, even to the point where I had alcohol poisoning once that put me down for like three full days. I never, ever want to experience that. Um, And then weed was never my thing. I mean, as a matter of fact, it was like all around me, like my whole life. And it just... Never was my thing. As a matter of fact, I hated the idea of smoking anything. I just thought it was like a disgusting, gross habit, right? Um, but I remember in like kindergarten, my mom driving me to school, smoking a J, right? My aunts and them like had them incense burning as though that's going like cover up a smell. I don't know if they were trying to, I don't know, but you know, they smoked. My uncle smoked. The people in my neighbor, everybody smoked. But it was never even an, a thought in my mind to smoke, right? So the first time that I smoked was in college. And I only did it as an experiment because I wanted to see what the big freaking deal was. Like, why are people like so like, oh my God, I'm about to smoke. You trying to smoke, bro? Yo, get that blunt. Like, I just didn't get it. Like, and everybody, not everybody, a lot of people were were doing it. So I did as an experiment. Did not see, not granted, I did not know how to smoke for real, for real. Like, I think people take it for granted that people are just supposed to know how to smoke. And I didn't. I mean, I got something, but I did not get the full whatever. And anyway, I didn't like it because all it did was make me eat Raisin Bran Crunch like a rabbit dog. <laughs> like I couldn't get enough. Like, like it was, that's all it did, right? So I didn't mess with it. In 2012 though, I was stressed out about something. And so I a friend of mine, you know, he's he is a straight up stoner. So I asked him to come over. We smoked and that was, that was that. So from 2012 to 2020, I, that was it. I just liked it. Right. Um, I tried to get sober like two or three times from, from weed and alcohol. Um, and I think the longest time that I went was like 110 days. And then I just gave up trying. Right. I gave up trying to be sober and I just was like, you know what, this is what I do. And, you know, it was, quote unquote, a regular part of life. Right. You, you know, a lot of TV shows. I noticed this once I got sober, how much alcohol 
in particular is embedded in the culture, right? It's in advertisements, it's in TV shows, it's like everywhere in everything, even like activities like sip and paint, axe throw and drink. Like it, it just is like, you know, it's a cherry on top to, to even our activities. Um, but you know, I liked it, you know, it was just kind of chill. I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think like, you know, I'm having a problem or, you know, I wasn't, you know, beating my wife or my husband or <laughs> nothing like that. Um, so yeah, so did it, you know, people around me did it and it was just what we did. Um, and I wasn't a, I wasn't an obnoxious drunk, you know, I was always fun, you know, whether I was on or not, I was either chill or extra Joe and fun, but like never obnoxious. Now there were some times where, especially like tequila, it just did something to me. And then I would get, you know, angry. Like I could probably, as I'm thinking now, I remember like three times and it's probably more than that, but at least three times where I know, like I was like, like excessively angry. And I know that me being you know, having drinks or whether I was drunk or not, definitely, you know, had a, had a role in it. Um, so why did I decide to get sober? Uh, the short answer is I didn't <laughs> like, I didn't. So this is like, I wanted to get sober in my mind, um, for health and spiritual reasons, but I didn't want to because I, I like enjoyed it. You know, it was just like a, a certain level of chill. Like, um, I didn't know at the time, but I, I had anxiety. And so smoking and drinking helped that. And I knew that I had ADD and it also helped that. So it was kind of like, I wanted to stop, but I didn't want to stop. Um, and so, like I said, after those two or three times that I that I tried, I just kind of gave up. So really what happened is that, you know, God had been dealing with me about being sober for years. Um, and, you know, the Bible is is, you know, the Bible even talks about, you know, drunkenness. And, you know, there's a whole list of of those who will not inherit the kingdom and, and drunkards are are one of them. But the way that the Lord dealt with me about it was that it was impacting our relationship, right? And I couldn't hear from him as clearly as I should, you know, if I had been sober and I wouldn't be able to be effective for him, you know, with, you know, not being sober. So that's kind of how, how God dealt with me about it. Right. So and I knew it, but I, you know, kept doing it. And then one day I, you know, wake and bake, took a couple puffs. And then my heart felt like someone, which I believe it was God, had my heart in his hand and squeezed it. Like it literally felt like it was in like somebody's hand and like squeezed it. And it just like, I mean, it stopped me in my tracks. And I know that nobody has access to me in my heart like that, except God. And I believe that he did that, you know, for my benefit, but just to let me know how fragile my life is, right? You know, the word talks about, you know, our life is 
um, you know, a breath and a, a, bra- a blade of grass, you know, in the time that we're here, although it seems long, it's very brief. And the time that we're here, you know, the time that we come here and our ending are all according to God and, and his plan. And so it was very clear to me um, that God was, that was him, you know, and he was not planned and he was, I feel like tired of telling me about it. I never had anything like that happen before that. And I haven't had anything happen like that after in terms of like feeling like my heart was actually in, you know, somebody's hand and being squeezed. So, so that's kind of how I got sober. Like I said, it really wasn't my decision. So the next thing I want to talk about is like, you know, just like I said, I knew that I needed to, but it was just like, eh, this is like regular. Like I wasn't doing anything that was like abnormal. You know what I'm saying? So I was justifying it. Right. But it's funny how you're able to justify things according to people or the world around you as though, you know, I wasn't an individual that had my own path and my own, you know, relationship with the Lord and, you know, my own standards. But, you know, there were some, I don't know, I guess I, I'll say low points and just some kind of signs that, you know, I needed to quit or whatever. So one time I remember I was going to the liquor store. I don't know why I just didn't buy like cases. I guess because that would seem like too much like a problem. But anyway, I would go to this liquor store, which at the time was like right behind my apartment building. So there was this guy in there and I'm like, man, I'm like, I always see this dude in here like, yo, he got a problem. (laughs) And I pay for my stuff and I walk to the car and I'm like, wait a minute. If I always see him here, then that means that I'm always here. And if just our presence here made me think that he has a problem then that means that I have a problem I'm like oh no he just he just like me then he just (laughs) he just don't like buying cases he just like to you know get his stuff fresh like his organic produce or something but um the other thing is like you know when a bottle of wine just became like a big ass glass to me you know meaning like I could drink a, a bottle of wine by myself like as a matter of fact me and my one friend we would go to lunch often. And that was like part of our mental health, like our well-being, you know, to go to lunch, have some drinks. But, you know, it got to a point where, um, you know, we kind of needed a bottle a piece, you know, at least for me. You know, I would especially if like, you know, she came over and we just did like lunch at like my place or something like I would make sure to get like two bottles because I knew that I was drinking a bottle by myself like easy other thing is like when I smoked as soon as I got up right so people you know in the weed community call it like wake and bake but when I was smoking like before I did everything like before I went out or you know before I ate or before I went hiking or before literally anything before I played video games, before I took a shower, like before everything. The other thing too is driving, right? Now, I don't condone this obviously, right? But you know, I'm keeping it real. And so for people who've had DUIs, like a lot of us are just, a lot of us didn't have DUIs, not because we weren't driving under the influence, but just because we didn't get caught, 
You know what I mean? And I'm one of those people. And I, you know, I've, I've asked God for forgiveness and I've thanked him for keeping me um, that I didn't hurt myself or other people. Um, and even though, you know, like before I've, I've justified and said, you know, it's not like I was like trash, but it doesn't matter. You know, I've slept in my car when it was like really too bad. But that was also a low point, like. You know, sleeping in my car in a parking garage because I was like too drunk to drive home is just not cute. Right. But I've done that like more times than I like to admit. Um, And then the last thing is just, you know, hanging out with people and having sex with people that I wouldn't sober. You know, it's like, you know, a lot of times like alcohol or weed is like, oh, you know, loosen up. We kicking it. Do, 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 do. And even if, you know, it was a friend with a benefit, the fact of the matter is if I was sober, I wouldn't have had sex with, you know, whoever. Like I wouldn't have or, you know, a certain group of people, nothing, you know, against them. But if I was sober, it wouldn't have been my choice of, you know, places or people to hang out with. So so even though, like I said, you know, the culture is what it is and, you know, I wasn't doing anything different than, you know, whoever or whatever, there were clear signs to me and way more than this, but that let me know that I always needed to be sober. So, so, you know, how do I support myself? So I will say one of the best things, my therapist at the time, I wasn't doing anything, right? I just like stopped like that day that the Lord squeezed my heart. I got rid of everything, flushed all the weed, the alcohol, dumped it all out. Like it was like cold turkey quit but my therapist you know was like you really need some support like this you can't do this by yourself and I'm like yeah why not so anyway she told me about this this organization in that's based in Philly called unity recovery so it's unity recovery.org unity u-n-i-t-y recovery.org um they because of the pandemic, they were offering online Zoom meetings. And I feel like it was like, is it eight meetings a day? So it's like 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 11, no, 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m., and 11 p.m., I think. So there's like seven meetings every single day, like even on the weekends, even on holidays. And so I started going to those meetings and I cannot thank unity and the community enough just because that was really, you know, other than God, right, obviously, but unity recovery was the only outside support that I had. And, you know, for a long time, I would go to those meetings and I wouldn't say anything, but just being in the room and listening, whether or not, you know, somebody had, you know, my issues we all had a common thread of being controlled by something that we didn't want, you know? And um, so that, that has been a huge, huge help. And I actually still go to meetings. Um, The next thing is, you know, something that they call harm reduction. So, you know, doing a lesser of something. So I um, started drinking non-alcoholic beer because I was like, I was like craving beer for some reason. And believe it or not, just, you know, the taste and putting it in a glass just made a difference. Another thing is I treated my anxiety and my ADD with medicine, right? Again, I didn't know that I had anxiety until I became sober and was having um, bad anxiety 
attacks. Um, so, you know, getting medicated for those two things has been helpful. Also, like changing my diet, um, working out more, more consistently, meditating and hiking. Like I'd always, you know, I've always been a workout person, right? And, and a health advocate. But at, you know, the height of um, my addiction, I wasn't taking obviously as good care of myself as I should. Just even though I was working out, if I'm drinking a bottle of wine, that clearly is not good. Right. So making those type of swaps and changes, um, in my, my diet and my, my health definitely made a difference. Um, cleaning out the insides. Um, and then I looked for different hobbies. You know, like I said, a lot of things that I did were attached to drinking, and or smoking weed. And so I started like looking for different things like, you know, hiking was something that I always did, but I would either drink or smoke weed. But one thing I did was I did a, a 52 hike challenge, which was I challenged myself to do one hike a week. Right. Which was, you know, 52 hikes for the year. So just, you know, little things like that. And then the last, you know, but not least thing is just I removed myself from environments and, you know, some people that I used to roll with that, um, wouldn't necessarily be conducive to my sobriety. Now, granted, this whole pandemic thing helped with that a lot, but it also was really difficult because I was alone. And even though, you know, I had, you know, friends and some family who supported me in my sobriety, you know, that was the majority of my time I was alone and, and that was really, you know, difficult. So uh, what have I learned? So one thing that I've learned is that no matter what you do, right, whether it's, you know, heroin or weed or food or alcohol or cut yourself or whatever it is, what I've realized is that at the core of that is some kind of like pain or discomfort that we're trying to escape from. And you may not necessarily, you know, think of it like that or even know what it is like for me you know I hadn't been like sexually abused or anything like that like my discomfort was just anxiety you know social anxiety and just the discomfort of my ADD and then other parts it was just I just liked it you know some people just get on just because they like it you eat because you like it but there's also something else in addition to that right but I would say the biggest thing that I've learned is that, you know, in, in trying to escape those things through, you know, weed and alcohol, there is no escape from this life except death. Right. And as, as harsh as that sounds, that's the reality. And I knew that I didn't want to die. So I decided to to live as fully as I can and to learn to to sit with and to deal with any pain and discomfort I was feeling in order to heal from it. And nobody or, you know, no substance, no person, no substance and no thing can do that for me. And so that, you know, has been really, really helpful for me um, to help me to continue on to my journey. So um, so yeah, friends, so that is it. I'm just excited for today. I have a silent hike planned. I am then going to Unity Recovery just opened up in Manioc in Philly, this place called the Volstead, which is a zero proof bar, which is like, 
they is vegan, but then it's also like they serve like cocktails that are zero proof, no alcohol, right? So they have a bar, you still get the vibe, you know, and all of that. But it's, it's you know, for sober or sober curious people. Um, and then I am going to treat myself to a massage. So I am excited for my soberversary today. And I thank you guys for sharing it with me. And if you or anybody you know needs support or, you know, any type of recovery, uh, please do visit unityrecovery.org. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for sharing your time and the space with me today. I hope you heard something in today's episode that made a difference in some way to your own personal journey through adult puberty. Until next time.